Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio, simply glorious. In spreading the gospel to the world, we have designed a streaming radio broadcast for every believer. This word, worship, and witness-filled broadcast streams live every week. Access episodes on demand 24 hours a day. Subscribe to our iTunes podcast and take UGR wherever you go. Visit us online at urbanglorycampaigns.webs.com. Also find us at twitter.com backslash urban underscore glory and like us on Facebook. Enjoy today's broadcast. Good evening. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. I was glad when they said, let's be the church. And this is a new night that we come on to study the word of God. But I trust and believe that your life will never be the same as a result of the word of God proclaimed. We're going to study a new series today. I'm going to review the sequel in which the series is in. So just listen up. If you have a notebook paper, take out your notes, um, books, because we're getting into the Word of God. And every Tuesday throughout the rest of the year, into next year, we are going to be studying the Word of God systematically. We're going to go through this um, in depth. It's going to be like being in a Bible class. Um, at your own leisure, so you can call in and listen, or you can download and and get the recordings of it, but I know that you're going to be blessed in the study, and we're going to be in a season of faith. So um, pre-mark your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We will have several passages today, but um, I trust that you will be blessed. Amen? Amen, my... um, Engineer is going to give me a confirmation that we're being heard clearly, and then we're going to get started and um, into the teaching, all right? So this is live, as live as it comes, <laughs> praise God. I'm excited to be here and to be able to share with you the word of God. All right. Let's pray, and let's get started. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and the glad we do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit that is educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have been on a series that empowers us to overcome. It's been entitled The Overcoming Way. The Overcoming Way. And our launch pad for this third division is found in First John chapter 5. First um, John chapter 5. Let's start there with our reading, and then we'll go through our other scriptures today. 
But in First John chapter 5, it declares this. It says, by this we know that we are children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood, and that that it is the Spirit that beareth witness because of the Spirit, it is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and the three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are one. If we receive witness of men and witness of God is greater than, is greater than, um, uh, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son hath witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath not him, and is a liar. And he that believeth not the record that God gave of his Son, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and life his Son. He that hath his Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Amen. Now, but we know that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It has been our goal and our focus to affirm the pursuit of knowing God more intimately so that we can serve him more faithfully. And in doing this, we've awakened core values that establishes our confidence in the advantages that we have as an overcomer. We've established God's word as final authority. We've looked at the values of having his logic as advancing in life, his understanding. The word overcome is used 30 times in the Bible, eight in the Old Testament, 22 times in the New Testament, 11 times used in the book of Revelations, and five times used in the book of John. And so in context, we've developed a discipline to reflect on faith and belief in light of our advantage as the importance of establishing character, commitments, and convictions around overcoming. And so in order to overcome, we understood that we had to overcome sin and overcome the world and overcome by faith. And so this is a conquest spiritually to recover and to reform all things to God's original intent and plan. It's all embedded and embodied in Christ's transforming power for us to live is Christ. And so we must be connected and we must conceive this revelation birth out of access in time with God in order to see this overcoming mandate or ideology become a reality. So we've been talking about what it means to overcome. And in the last division, we covered overcoming sin and overcoming the world. We learned that the overcoming mandate awakens, answers, alters, adds, and advances 
our experiencing God's benefits in the land of the living. It's taking on his prescribed methodology to overcome, and it reviews our redemption, our righteousness, and our reconciliation as an order from God. It recovers and reforms and restores and strengthens our divine nature, and it empowers an awareness of God's plan having preeminence. So overcoming must translate our lives to Christ. Birth out of a revelation that takes advantage of us having access to God's grace. Overcoming must transform every area of our life, our relationship with God, our righteous resolve, our reliance upon the Holy Spirit and what it alters, living through supernatural exploits. Overcoming must triumph over the works of Satan because we know that Satan is set to destroy our lives. We learn that he seeks whom he may devour. He sets you in a system to deprave you from authentic power. He starves you from being spiritually alert and spiritually aware, eradicating the supernatural. He separates you from God's love to where you feel isolated, intimidated, and rejected. He stops the agenda for God's life, but he has no power unless you authorize him through uh, being succumbed to the ways of the world. So the key areas of concentration on overcoming becomes the light through advancing over sin and over the world. When we talk about overcoming sin, we've been talking about a revelation that Christ is the cure-all who completely covers and completes and cures all forms of sin. He was made, he who knew no sin was made to be sin, that the righteousness might be made available to us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Overcoming sin was made possible by Christ when he, real, um, he uh, raised a power for us to overcome through our overt defense against the wages of sin, the works of the flesh, and the ways of the world. That's why we no longer conform to the ways of the world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So overcoming sin will only submit to our willful obedience from the heart to righteousness through the doctrine of Christ or what Jesus taught, because it's in Christ that we live and move and have our being. In addition to that, we found out that we must not only overcome sin and its nature, which derives from Satan, but we also must overcome the world. And we expanded this concept by developing steps, which are sequenced through established power shifts, understanding systemic warfare and its solving, empowering the warrior spirit through the armor of God, and then embracing God's big picture as the final authority depicted through his word. We learn that our salvation shifts us to power by a willful attempt to walk out our submission and trust in God. We align our hearts with his principles. We awaken patterns that are practical to standards of life. We affirm the Holy Spirit to exemplify himself so that we can experience the supernatural, so we can have enlightenment of mind, so we can be encouraged through our esteem, so we can enforce evidence through the word, and so we can encounter greater power beyond the norm. 
when we allow the Holy Spirit to take residence in our life, he enables us to overcome by shifting our salvation to power. We learn that overcoming the world places a demand on our sanctification, our ability to embody the reality of God's power in Christ. And these, are while, these realities awaken who we really are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What do we really have? We have all things that have been given, um, uh, all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him. And what we can do, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We learn that overcoming the world requires a dependence, um, uh, a dependence or a deprogramming from what the world wants us to do. The world seeks control. It wants to control our work, our life's mission. It wants to control our walk, our life's direction, and it wants to control our witness, our life's legacy. When the world is in power over the believer, it seeks control. It seeks control by suggesting alternatives that are that are opposed to the life of God. It sensationalizes logic and learning over faith. It sinks you to the course of disobedience through pleasures and lust, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It satisfies your flesh with temporal success, and it silences the authority of the speaking, still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. So we learned that overcoming the world would be allowing the Holy Spirit to convert us totally, to conduct ourselves in righteousness, to characterize our life through faith, and to care through compassion of the world, to cast light on living supernaturally, living in the light, working while it's day, letting our light so shine before men that they might see our works, and glorify God in heaven. We learned that overcoming the world was the root cause of engaging into spiritual warfare. We engaged in the spiritual warfare first by developing spiritual authority, learning who we are, Proverbs 18, 4, Psalms 20, 27, 1 Corinthians 2, 11, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 5, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, Romans 8, the entire chapter. We esteemed and affirmed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Psalms 84, verse 5, Psalms 121, Psalms 27, Psalms 23, Psalm, um, Philippians 4, 13. We embedded ourselves in the in Christ factor. The in Christ factor. We fed, we feed on the word. We worship culturally. We work out our salvation through practical holiness and sanctification. We eliminated erroneous concepts and contaminators by submitting to God, resisting to the devil, and living in humility. We embraced God's big picture, which advanced our life in context. We were enlightened to understand. We were esteemed to live godly, and we were expanded by a biblical worldview. And through that, we awakened to faith. We awakened to faith. We awakened to God's process to provoke promote, to provoke, and to, to, to push ahead his plan. He pushed his head, head his land through awakening revelation within our soul, time allotted to review, to revamp, and to reform. We tracked our reality by asking if it really works. We awaken faith in a process to provoke, 
performance from God. We talked with God about our priorities and directives. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. We trust and develop experience with God for the supernatural by letting the spirit have total access to us. And then we develop transformation through the nature of Christ because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. When we advance through the faith process and allow faith to be awakened within us, we then advance a biblical-based system of, of thinking, a philosophy and a theology to which we pick up our lesson today. See, God wants you to have scholastic achievement, 2 Timothy 2.15. He wants you to have spiritual maturity, uh, Hebrews chapter 5. And then he wants you to have simplistic conviction, 1 Peter 3.15. Attitudes should form sound doctrine, sound theology, through being selective about how we build upon our thinking and our life priorities, to being systematic in our spiritual study habits, and to being spiritually guided, being able to evolve and to enlighten through the presence, the power, and and the promises of the Holy Spirit. So being an overcomer awakened demands demands in our study, which provoked the philosophy of faith. It provoked, number one, a competence of the context of Scripture, meaning that we're just not going to be able to just uh, regurgitate just Scriptures out of religious rhetoric. We're going to have to understand what the will of the Lord is. We're going to have to grasp the cause of the gospel, group principles and precepts in connotation and context of the Scripture, grasp the order of spiritual uh, development through note-taking and through, through uh, adhering to the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not only will we have to get competence of the context of the scripture, but secondly, we would have to get character modifications and sonship. And that's what Romans 8 talks about, to be led. Uh, if the, uh, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Life can make you free from laws that liberate you to freedom, and that freedom will be used as an occasion for the spirit and not for the occasion of the flesh to just exit from laws. It will characterize you through the character, embodying the convictions of Christ, empowering the supernatural supplication, and equipping your heart with holiness and humility. It's character to sonship, for to live is Christ, till Christ be formed in you, in you, in you. The world will dilute the quality of life that you can have, but to live, again, is Christ. And we do that through character modification, through sonship. But thirdly, we have courageous focus through spiritual submission to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit syncs us with the plans of God, it structures us in the path of God, and it gives us sensitivity to the timing of God. Hallelujah. When you develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you're going to understand God's plan, God's paths, and God's timing. And that's remarkable. It's remarkable. But let me say this. 
you have a philosophy warring against your reality, a set of beliefs that may need to be modified, but not only a set of beliefs, a lens by which you look through them. So we want to deal with the philosophy of faith. How does faith exist in your world? And what motivating forces cause you to focus on it? Do you have what it takes to focus on faith? Do you have what it takes to focus on faith? Amen. Sorry about the wrestling. It's just a lot of papers, and I'm going through a lot of notes. See, faith accepts the reality of the will of God. Faith answers to God's pleasure. Faith awakens power, the power of God for living. Faith alters the world through revelation of the word, and faith assures the future through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about we have faith, we find a, we find out that the word of God develops our faith, Romans ten seventeen. We follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So it patterns our faith, Hebrews 6, 12. And then it frames our life with working out the exploits. According to James 2, faith without works is dead. Faith without proof is faith. And the only way we can show that we have faith is to display it with our life, for the just shall live by faith. When we have a true faith examination, it awakens an evaluation on our philosophy by exposing error, and eradicating the erroneous, exchanging all things to the way of righteousness, and exalting the dependence upon the prompting to live a spirit-led life. Faith demands us to completely develop dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have in the same spirit of faith, I believe, and therefore speak. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith gives voice to the word, but not only does it give voice to the word, it gives virtue to our confidence to exemplify and act on what we believe. Any lifestyle that is attributed to faith must have proof provided in its testimonies (coughs) that are superior to the natural. Faith will never be qualified (coughs) until it connects to attributes of our personality and our way of life. So faith is a lifestyle <laughs> for those that act and believe according to the will of God. It is not a cure-all like a muscle. It must be developed over time. <coughs> I apologize. Faith is a law because it functions by divine principles that can be repeated in life to, for anyone who believes. And faith is a multifaceted force. It has connotations. Um, so in times in the scriptures, it expresses itself differently depending on the experience. <laughs> Amen. So in my last few moments, I want to begin and introduce 
this concept of the philosophy of faith. Let's go to our primary text in Colossians. Colossians chapter two. Now, for those of you who want a, a clearer teaching, this teaching will be is already recorded, very systematically and very methodically, so that way you can have a clear thing. Because it's live, sometimes there are. Um, background noises and things, and I'm moving around, so some of you are hearing more things that are around me, so I do apologize for that. But this is recorded, and we will have this recording available for you and access for you to download. But pre-mark your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And at this point, we're going to go to a few more scriptures, and this is the primary of our first outline for the philosophy of faith. Let me first explain what the word philosophy means. We are going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. We're going to reference Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Also 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Colossians 1, 10, Ephesians 3, 19, Hebrews 11, 3, and Romans 10, 17. And um, this is the philosophy of faith. So the word philosophy, what does it mean? It is the lens through which we view the world and make decisions. It is the place where our ideas, beliefs, and values develop a living pattern. It is also the place where we filter through how we see the world. So here is the power of Philosophy. It develops our logic and perception pattern, and it draws conclusions and convictions. Let me say that again. It develops our logic and perception, and it draws our conclusions and convictions. The power of it is we can either create a right or wrong reality from our perspective about this process. Our philosophy philosophy should be modeled ultimately after Christ. But in order to be coherent with Christ, you have to be compliant to God's word. So the compliance to God's word as final authority is what develops uh, an established Christian philosophy. But no matter what philosophy we have, when developing philosophy, we are answering these primary questions that establish its certainty. Because philosophy will develop our confidence in what we believe, what we value, and what we have as ideas and ideals. There are five five things that we're going to always do when we have a philosophy. Number one, we're going to find out why the subject is brought to existence through experience. It answers what this subject is brought up for, light or life, or or is it to be left alone? What is it brought up for? What is the subject brought to experience for, light or life? Number two, we're going to ask, what am I aiming to achieve by making this conviction a reality? Thirdly, we're going to ask, why is this subject so important? Thirdly, 
So fourthly, we want to ask, how do I create a standard around the subject? And fifthly, we're going to ask, what happens if it doesn't change or it doesn't work? So when those five questions come, we are really engaging into a philosophical process. And the scripture coins it as a faith examination. Examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Which brings us to our lesson. Philosophy, the philosophy of faith awakens us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, first of all, it answers, number one, the philosophy of faith answers the why. Why we believe what we believe, why we act on what we believe, and why we confess what we believe. All of this is examining our conversion. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'll summarize it. Verse 5 says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in faith, prove your own selves. Know that know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates or people who refuse to understand who they are. But I trust that ye shall not, um, that we sh- ye shall know that we are not reprobates. And now I pray that God, that you do know evil and that you should appear approved, but that ye, um, but ye shall do which is honest, um, though we be as reprobates, but we can do nothing against the truth. So this scripture lets us know we seek proof of Christ speaking in us, but it's, 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 it's developed through the examination of ourselves, answering the why, why we believe what we believe, why we act on what we believe, why we confess what we believe. All of this is examining our conversion. Are we truly converted? Are we truly saved? But secondly, the philosophy of faith awakens a passion for the knowledge of God. Go to Proverbs chapter 2. Amen. Proverbs chapter 2. In Proverbs chapter 2, it's, it's an admonishment to a son to give attention to the word. It says, My son, if thou receive my words and hide thy commandments in, with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou cries at the knowledge and lifted up thy voice for understanding, if thou seeketh her as silver, searcheth her for as hidden treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. So the knowledge of God affirms, awakens the search for truth and meaning. It affirms obedience to Christ, and it adapts us to the nature of God. But we have to engage it through our philosophy of faith to awaken the passion for the knowledge of God. And those other scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10, 10 5, and Colossians 1, 10, and Ephesians 3, 19, also affirm those, those points. The knowledge of God awakens us for the search for truth. But finally... The philosophy of faith advances our quest to being steadfast. See, there's a scripture that says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, so that your labor is not in vain. 
and go back to Colossians chapter 2, which is the core and the activation principle of this, of this teaching. See, Colossians, the church of Colossians was given a peculiar lesson by the Apostle Paul. When he was writing them, he understood that they were going to be the catalyst of the New Testament doctrine of Christ. The doctrine revealed Christ's preeminence. Not Christ in the flesh, but Christ received in the spirit and transferred to everyone through belief and faith and trust and reliance upon the Lord Jesus and his work that he achieved at Calvary. It would be us being established in faith that would would give us a, a new motivation to exemplify our confidence in its ability. See, he understood that there will be people that will throw words at you so you have a form of godliness without power. But the power behind the exposure that the doctrine of Christ gave the believers at the church of Colossae would preserve them and make them steadfast so that when the erroneous come, they would not be moved because they were embedded in the spirit and the truth. See, he said, he said, I say this, least any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I'm not there with you in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, joining and beholding your order and steadfastness of faith in Christ, the in Christ factor. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up, and established in the faith. That's what we want to do in these lessons that ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone spoil you through vain philosophy and deceit after traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, when your steadfastness establishes you in the faith through the word of God, it abounds uh, where you have been taught. You cannot be steadfast if you have never been taught. And the steadfastness reveals what it means to truly be saved, to be saved, to be set apart for God's use, rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therewith thanksgiving. So our philosophy of faith answers the why. Our philosophy of faith awakens passion for the knowledge of God, but it also creates a steadfastness that establishes our faith. It establishes our faith. It is advanced in our quest of being steadfast, unmovable, and abounding in the work of the Lord. I wish I could say more, but I'm out of time. We got to come back and do this again. And I pray that you've been blessed by the word of God, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This has been Teaching Tuesday systematically, and we've been overcoming the world or overcoming through the way that God's provided us, and we've been overcoming by faith through the philosophy of faith. We're going to continue this on next Tuesday. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.